This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to Her with Amina Brown. And y'all, as of the release of this episode, y'all know if you've been with me for these past several episodes since the podcast relaunched, we are always here in your, I was about to say in your inbox, but in your podcast place, (laughs) whatever your favorite podcast place is where you listen to this, we are always in your podcast place on Tuesdays, okay? And the Tuesday that this episode is releasing is November 3rd, which is election day. If you have not voted, November 3rd is your last chance, okay? So make sure you do this. Voter suppression is happening all over the country, okay? Some of you may be like, what is voter suppression? Voter suppression is things like when you get to your polling place and not all of the voting machines are working. Voter suppression is what's happening when it is taking people 10 and 11 hours to be able to cast their vote. Voter suppression is happening when the locations where you can turn in your mail-in ballot or where you can go in person to vote are being decreased. Okay, all of those things are voter suppression and that is intended to make us not vote. It's intended to make it harder 
for people to vote and in particular to make it harder for marginalized people and people of color to vote. Okay, so this is very important. Voter suppression is happening all over the country. So make sure that you do your research on polling places and for my people who are doing mail-in ballots, make sure you do the research about your county and state as far as what your options are or where to drop off your ballot or uh, to cast your ballot in person, okay? Here are a couple of tips, suggestions. You could try, if you are voting on election day, try to vote at times where there may be less people or less of a line. If possible, prepare for the long haul, okay? Voter suppression isn't right. It isn't fair, and we want to do everything we can to fight against it this election and all of the elections to come. However, some of us in the areas where we live, we will be dealing with voter suppression, which means you may not get in and out within 15 minutes or 20 minutes to cast your vote. So if possible, prepare for the long haul. Prepare as if it will take much longer than you think and do whatever that means for you. If you need to bring snacks, if you need to bring a chair, Bring water, make sure you have your hand sanitizer, your any Lysol or disinfectant, anything that you would need to be someplace for hours. If you have meds that you need to make sure you have those with you as well. And as always, wear a mask. I also want to give a special shout out and thank you to all of the poll workers all across the country. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And make sure uh, when you go to vote, if you are voting in person, that you thank your poll workers. It is a very long day for them as well. So shout out to all the poll workers. Uh, thank you so much for all of the work that you do. Y'all, I feel like now it is officially fall. And I know some of y'all are like, but girl, it was officially fall in September. <laughs> but I live in Atlanta, Georgia, and any of you that live in warmer climates, Atlanta does experience all four of the seasons, but it just takes us a little bit longer for it to feel like fall. We still have some days in October that feel like the summer. So by the time we get into November, it's really starting to get to a nice fall crisp in the air. It's getting cooler in the mornings, cooler at night, sometimes staying cooler through the whole day. We are notorious for getting cooler in the morning, cooler at night, and it's still being like 80 degrees. <laughs> but by the time we get to this time, it's really, you know, getting into the fall vibes, okay? And I have to admit, y'all, fall is my favorite time of year. I love all of the colors involved. I love all of the earth tones and shades of brown and gold and orange and red. It's just my thing. It's my vibe, okay? Let me tell you a few things that I love about fall, things that signal to me it's fall time. First of all, I love fall coffee drinks, okay? I can't even, for health reasons, have fully caffeinated coffee. So I am always that person that's going to the coffee shop, ordering decaf, and then I can't have a lot of dairy either. So I used to be ordering decaf lattes with almond milk, but boy, I have discovered the joys of oat milk. And let me tell you, I have been changed. I know you pay like an extra fee when you're trying to get oat milk at a coffee shop, but you know what? Every time I've paid that extra dollar, I've never regretted it. That smooth taste that's happening to me, mm, shout out to oat milk as well. So I love to get involved in like a salted caramel 
a maple pecan type of situation, this is when I feel like I'm really getting into my fall bag right there, when I'm just getting involved in the drinks, okay? And I love this time of year for that. Also, I want to bring up something that is a little bit contentious, but you know, I feel like this is a safe place. I feel like we've established some times, you know, together, you and I, where we can talk about this. So I just want to bring this up. I want to talk about why there aren't more sweet potato pie lattes. I want to just discuss that because pumpkin pie is fine. Okay. Pumpkin pie, pumpkin spice, it's fine. But have you ever had a sweet potato pie? I mean, honestly, have you ever had a sweet potato pie? And if you've had one, have you not been like, this is better than a pumpkin pie? I mean, I'm not trying to start a fight, but I'm just trying to bring up like some facts. So I'm not saying that I, you know, avoid a pumpkin pie or pumpkin spice type of latte. You know, I get involved in it because it's like a fall thing, but I just feel like we're leaving some flavor on the table by not having a sweet potato pie latte. Can we work on this? Somebody, please? Okay. Also, another thing I love about fall is that it's my time to be outside with no mosquitoes. And any of my people who also live in the South, you know that our summers are plagued with mosquitoes. And I am the person that always gets bit by mosquitoes. Like, it doesn't matter where I'm at. I sometimes get bit by mosquito inside the house where I didn't even make it outside. So the fall is a perfect time for me to be outside and it's finally cooled off enough. I don't know where the mosquitoes go. I don't know if like they go further south for the fall or something, how like birds go to the south during the winter. I don't know if the mosquitoes hibernate and that's why you get so many mosquito bites in the summer and it just like helps them to like, you know, stay warm or something when it gets to be fall. I don't know. I don't really care. I'm just glad that I see less of them or don't see them at all. It's great. Also, the other thing I love about fall is Thanksgiving. And I'm going to talk about this more in some other episodes, but I do not love the racist histories of Thanksgiving and in particular, the Thanksgiving narrative that we've been given here in America. That's not what I love at all. What I love is really the feast, the harvest meal that is Thanksgiving and what that has meant for me gathering with my family. So I have a nickname for Thanksgiving and I call it my cookapalooza. Whenever Thanksgiving comes up, I take the whole week off and I basically spend the entire week cooking and I love everything about it. Like Thanksgiving is like the only time that I get a chance to really like cook for like a massive amount of people and you actually have those people coming to your house. So you're not cooking all this food and don't have anywhere for it to go. This year, obviously, things are going to be a little different. We are still in a pandemic, so it'll be figuring out, is there a safe way to gather for Thanksgiving as a family? How do we do that? But I'm going to tell y'all this. I'm the type of person that even before we began hosting Thanksgiving because my husband and I, for most of the years we've been married, if not all of the years, most of the years, we have hosted Thanksgiving in our home. And it's going to be really, really weird not to do that this year. 
But even the years that we did not host Thanksgiving at our home, I always believe in cooking some Thanksgiving food so you have it at your house. Because I feel like the big plus to Thanksgiving is the leftovers. It's what you ate on Thursday, but it's also having that same food that you can then make different iterations of, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, so on. So either way, whatever we make our plans to be, whether we gather with our families or not, it's going to be some Thanksgiving food in this house. And what is Thanksgiving food? Yes, it's candy yams. It's turkey. It's ham. It's macaroni and cheese. It's collard greens. It's cranberry sauce. And yes, people, I like to use fresh cranberries to make my sauce. I actually love cranberry sauce so bad that I could just eat it by itself. Oh my gosh. So if you all want to have further conversations about Thanksgiving food, Thanksgiving recipe tips. I'm here for that. You let me know. You can use the hashtag AskAmina. You can send me DMs. You can message me. I am here for you. I also want to know, are you team sweet potato or are you team pumpkin? Let's talk about it. Y'all, it's election day and... I feel like, you know, for a lot of us, this is a day that's going to require some self-care, okay? Because I remember four years ago, I don't remember exactly what I was doing on election day. I just remember, like, I looked at the numbers for a while, and I remember I was getting kind of sleepy, and I was just like, oh, man, I'm going to miss this, like, historic announcement of Hillary Clinton becoming president. And I was like, oh, I'm sleepy. I'll watch the clips in the morning. And then woke up in the morning and was like, oh, no, (laughs) this is happening totally differently. Wow. No. Okay. So because of that and because of how the last four years have been, I feel like when I talk to my friends and a lot of the people that are following me on socials, We are all feeling, you know, some stress and some tension leading up to Election Day. We made it to Election Day, but we still have the tensions and the stress of waiting to see how the votes come in. So let's talk about some Election Day self-care, okay? And I'm going to tell you a few of the things that I'm going to try doing. And maybe you can think about what are some things you're going to do Uh, for yourself, to care for yourself and your soul uh, during this time, there's going to be like a lot of stress happening within, okay? One of the things that I've been doing in general since the pandemic started is I have been doing a skincare routine. It's been going really fabulously. I tried to do some research so that I would know like what order to do things in. And so is it, is the skincare about, you know, keeping my skin hydrated and healthy? It is, but it's also just an opportunity to rub on my face and tell myself everything's okay. (laughs) So obviously I use my cleanser. I wash my face. I have an exfoliant that I use once a week. Then I have another like more gentle exfoliant that I can use every day. I'm a person who loves masks. I love a clay mask, so I get involved in that. And then I have like a moisturizing mask. I've got some little serums and stuff. I put on the cotton balls and rub all over my face. Got some moisturizers. So 
I'm working it out. That has been great self-care for me. So I might just decide to do, you know, 10 or 12 masks (laughs) on election day. Okay. My skin is going to be extra shiny, extra shiny. All right. Another thing I've been doing for self-care is I've been watching Girlfriends on Netflix. Are y'all watching Girlfriends? I've been watching it and I have been really enjoying it. I I think the timing of Girlfriends, I remember watching the first uh, couple of seasons, but I don't know what happened in my life that I, like there's a couple of shows like this that I remember watching the beginning and then I'm like, I went through some transition and didn't catch the rest of the show, the ending of the show. So uh, thus far I have made it to episode, not episode, to season seven on Girlfriends. And it has been a wonderful palate cleanser. I've had some times I've like woken up in the middle of the night, had a bad dream or something. And it's just been very soothing to watch Girlfriends. So uh, that's been one of my self-care things that I might do on election day. Also, I have been getting into doing some deep breathing and meditation through the Shine app. And I continue to shout out the Shine app because the Shine app is a meditation and wellness app that was founded by two women of color. I hope to have them both as a guest here so we can all uh, talk to them and hear their story. But if you have not checked out the Shine app, you really should. It's wonderful. Uh, I might do some yoga. I also feel like the stress of election day, it makes me want to think about learning the routine from Flashdance. I just feel like that moment where she's like, she's dancing, but she's also like running in place. I feel like that's my election day energy. (laughs) I also might try a new exercise. I don't know if you've heard of it called walk, run, jog. And basically what that exercise is, is you start out thinking you're going to run or jog and then you just walk. And I think I'm going to try that. And, you know, another thing I might try is just a little stress cry. There's nothing wrong with it, okay? There's nothing wrong with a stress cry. Stress has to come out of our body some way. Maybe it's through sweating. Maybe you yell. Maybe you've got to just shed some tears too, you know? There's also a such thing as a stress laugh. I find myself, you know, thinking of all sorts of inappropriate, uh, crass humor. And that's carrying me through too, okay? So whether you need to stress cry or stress laugh or stress whisper, you do what your soul needs. In all seriousness, I hope Joe Biden is our next president. I hope Kamala Harris is our next vice president. And no matter who wins this election, we still have work to do. Our work in our communities doesn't stop. It continues. We continue to work for equity and justice and equal access for the disabled for the LGBTQ community, for Black, Indigenous, and communities of color, and all of the ways that so many of our identities include all or some of these things. We will continue to hold our elected officials accountable, national leaders, and local leaders as well. So if you are listening to this on Election Day, drink some tea, have some wine if that's your thing, in moderation. (laughs) Take a warm bath. Listen to some good music that soothes your soul. Do whatever you can to take care of yourself. And let's do our best to care for each other too.
Today's interview is from the Her Archives. I'm excited to welcome to our living room, Juliana Brown Eyes. The whole conversation is great. And one of my favorite parts was hearing Juliana's story and connecting with her on how much her work is informed by the women in her family that came before her. Check out our conversation and get ready to be inspired. Really excited to talk with my guest today, filmmaker, musician, photographer, makeup artist, businesswoman, social media influencer, multi-talented indigenous Polynesian artist, Juliana Brown Eyes on the podcast today. Hey, Juliana. Hi. <laughs> Thank you for that whole long list introduction. And, you know, I probably missed a couple things. <laughs> you know, like, Juliana, <laughs> I'm blushing. Juliana is out here making the things. So I just thought that you would be such a great guest. So I'm just excited to talk to you about this. And I can't remember when it was I found you on Instagram, but I think one of the pluses for me of this podcast, Juliana, is I'm constantly looking for like brilliant women of color, right? So every now and then I just get down like a rabbit hole of finding like all these brilliant women of color. (laughs) And so sometimes I'll like just go down a little rabbit hole of like, let me see how many Latinas I can find and I'll find a bunch of Latinas and follow them. And then I'll be like, I also want to find some Native women and I'll find them. And like, and then of course, after you start following different women of color, then they have friends or they have other women of color they might be collaborating with. And I'm like, oh, who's that? Let me go follow her. So that has really been just even not just in finding people to interview on the podcast, but just finding people to learn from and be inspired by. Mm-hmm. So that's actually how I found you. Awesome. Yeah. Instagram's a great tool for that. I, I actually use Instagram in that way, in that capacity to reach out to a lot of indigenous women that are working on like a grassroots level in their communities. And so I did a series a while ago called the Renaissance Woman Series. Mm-hmm. And basically it was when indigenous women, I, I identified these these women that were doing a lot of hard work in their communities inspiring. And I wanted to highlight these women in, that were working that weren't getting any praise or recognition for the work that they were doing. And so it worked like on a system of if you were nominated, you needed to nominate, you know, three to five other different women. And so that became a lot of work because I ended up writing bios for each woman and I ended up taking photos of them and like, you know, posting them on Instagram during Native American Heritage Month. Mm. And so I, I believe that's the month of November and all month long, I was posting about 15 to 20 women a day wow. and like flooding, yeah, flooding people's, their Instagram feeds with all these brilliant women, you know, people who were physicians or people who, you know, were drug addicts and, you know, overcame that. And now they're giving talks, people that are gardeners, people that are artists and, you know, just all these brilliant women that you know, and it became something really beautiful because you have women nominating one another and they started, you know, creating this sisterhood of I support you and you support me and, you know, let's climb to the top together. And so, and it was like a photo series. And for right now, um, I took it back because I uh, cataloged all these women and I wanted to be able to create a video series now because I was like, okay, I did the photo series. So, now I have a list of all these women and how I want to be able to go to them and, you know, create like a video series now because there's not a lot of attention or there's not a lot of coverage of indigenous women 
in media at all. And growing up, I would have really liked to see someone who looked like me, someone who came from a reservation, someone who was indigenous, who had indigenous teachings, someone who still spoke their language. And I want to see them on the big screen. I want to hear them on the radio. I want to, you know, and so it's, for me, that's my goal as a woman is to be able to give that platform to other women of color, you know, and it's a beautiful thing because like I've been all over the world. Like you said, my tribe is, I come from the Oglala Lakota tribe, which is in South Dakota. And I was raised by these brilliant, beautiful, badass women with all this ancestral knowledge. And I know a lot about plants and the stars and my language. And that's embedded into who I am and how I carry myself and how I present myself as an artist and how I want to give back to the community in that way. But I'm also Polynesian. You know, I'm uh, from the Tongan Pacific Islands, you know, the kingdom of Tonga. My father's father immigrated in the 70s to America. And my grandmother, who was Lakota indigenous, she hitchhiked all the way from the reservation in South Dakota to San Francisco in the 70s at the height of the Alcatraz movement. Mm -hmm. So the American Indian movement was really big. And a lot of young teenagers, my grandmother was 17 at the time, they took off and they wanted to be a part of the Alcatraz occupation. And, you know, that was an extensive social justice movement. So really like my roots and who I am is all born of that. You know, my grandmother was an amazing woman. She took off, she went there and she met my grandfather and he was Tongan, he was Pacific Islander. And so that's how you get a Pacific Islander in the middle of America. And so I carry all of that with me and I make sure that I am able to bring visibility for all indigenous people. It doesn't matter where you're from in the world. I believe personally that we're all indigenous to this land and to this earth. And wherever you are in the world, you are the caretaker of the land that you're on because we think of the earth as grandmother earth. She is a living being. She needs to be taken care of and nurtured. And I try to convey that through a lot of my artwork. You know, I do makeup, I do videos, photos. I try to really stick to my teachings as a Lakota woman. A lot of my makeup looks, they're all based upon Lakota teachings about the star knowledge, about how we are spirits that come from the Milky Way. And we come here to this earth to create relationships with one another and love one another, be kind and courteous. And then when we're done here, when our work is done here, we return back to the stars and we are all one. We're all a part of one energy and it works like that in a cycle. And so those are the teachings that I grew up with. And I didn't realize that the rest of the world didn't think like that, you know? And so like you had asked me a little bit about social justice and about the movement. So uh, because I come from Pine Ridge Indian Reservation, a lot of your listeners might know about the Standing Rock Movement. Mm -hmm. The Standing Rock Movement was huge. It was the first time in U.S. history, the longest stand for water. Mm. And during that time, I believe it was of August 2016, 
um, nobody knew about it. There was no media coverage. There was no photos or no news. It was simply and purely a grassroots movement, and it was only about water. So the Standing Rock movement is the Missouri River was being threatened because the Dakota Access Pipeline was wanting to put a pipeline through the river. Now, my people, the Oglala Lakota people, the Great Sioux Nation, there's a lot of tribes within the Great Sioux Nation, our water, we have treaty rights to the Missouri River. We have rights as long as the grass shall grow and as long as the sun shines. In the language of the U.S. government, we have rights to that water. And so for me and for the rest of the community, especially the youth, we immediately assembled and organized and mobilized one another. And we all showed up and we stood for Grandmother Earth and we stood for our water and we stood for our people and our elders, the women and the children. And that is our drinking water. And we're caretakers of it. We need to continue to protect it. And so that movement was huge because it was the first time in American history that a private security team like Tiger Swan was deployed in America to protect private interest. And the private interest was the oil company. So you have indigenous communities. I come from the poorest reservation in America, which is Pine Ridge Indian Reservation. It's the poorest county in America. We were the last tribe to give up to the U.S. government. So basically, we pretty much got the shitty end of the stick, if you Mm -hmm. think about it. Mm -hmm. And it's so recent for us. Like my grandmother, she was put in a boarding school and told her hair was cut and told not to speak her language. So that's so recent for us. Within the last 100 years, you know, the colonization of of my people, I have a lot of historical trauma Mm -hmm. within me because it's literally not even a couple generations away to where my people especially my grandmother, you know, we were living with the earth and we were living with our prayers and, you know, in harmony with one another in our tribe. And then all of a sudden the U.S. government came and they colonized us. They took us, they stripped everything away from us and took our way of life and dehumanized us. So a lot of that bleeds into the work that I do. And so If you've been following me on Instagram, I haven't really spoke about it, but in my stories, you know, I've been traveling. I was in New Zealand. I was also in Brazil and I was working on doing post-production on a documentary series that I directed. And it's a five episode. Each episode is one hour long. Mm -hmm. The water issue is not just in America. It's all over the world. Mm -hmm. And it has definitely hit the indigenous people in Brazil. I spent some time with the Guadani tribe in Brazil, Mm. and it's these same companies. A lot of these oil companies have private interests within American government. And so we're up against huge corporations when it's going to really take us as a community, all people of color, to come together and work towards one goal. And that one goal is unity. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. 
The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. Does sleeping hot keep you up at night? Meet the Lisa Chill Collection. These cooling mattresses work like magic with a cool-to-the-touch cover, zoned springs, and comfy foam layers. Say goodbye to restless nights and wake up refreshed. Lisa's Chill Mattresses beat the heat with ultra-cool covers that whisk away heat, so you always sleep just right. These hybrids blend up to 1,032 breathable springs and plush foams for the ultimate cooling and comfort. And the Chill Collection doesn't just feel great, it looks great too. With thoughtful design and pillowy quilt tops. No matter your budget, Lisa has a chill mattress for you. For a limited time, save up to $460 on chill mattresses and get two free pillows. iHeart listeners can save an extra $50 off by visiting lisa.com forward slash iHeart. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com forward slash iHeart. With Lisa, your purchase has purpose. Every year, Lisa donates thousands of mattresses to those in need. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. You know, fast forward to today. Now, I'm actually in school at the Institute of American Indian Arts, and it's the first of its kind. It's the only indigenous institution that focuses primarily on art. And I am majoring in the cinematic arts program. So even though I've been, you know, 
creating my own documentaries and doing my own things, I still wanted to take a step back and, you know, really learn from my community of Indigenous filmmakers and really look for people that I can work with and that I can trust because I believe that it's really important to have the Indigenous voice in cinema because we've been portrayed, you know, the cowboys and Indians, we've had you know, we had Dances with Wolves, we've had Avatar, we've had all these white male-led stories where there's this white man savior who comes in and saves the day. And that's not necessarily, definitely not how it works in communities, because especially in indigenous communities, we're matriarchal. We are totally ran by what grandma says, that's what goes. Mm. Women make the decisions in our tribe. And so I believe that we need to bring that within the world of cinema so that we can continue to inspire young women of color that you can do this. You know, this is how it happened a long time ago. And this is how we live. This is how we make decisions. And like I said, I've been here at school for this first semester. I was touring as a professional musician, like a national touring act for the last nine years. Wow. And I took a break from that because I was playing the bass and I was a vocalist in the band. And that, you know, gave me a platform to be able to speak on all these different issues because I performed at, you know, different colleges like Dartmouth or Stanford. And I was able to take these teachings and present them to people in college and universities. So I did that for a while but I needed to take a step back from my own health and my own well-being because being on the road that much, you know, really did a number on on my my health. Right. And so, you know, I was like, I can't do this forever. You know, I um, this is fun. You know, this is great. And, you know, I was able to get a lot of people interested in the movements that are happening in America with indigenous people. But I was like, how do I reach a broader audience? Let's take these issues globally, you know, and so... I've always been into film. I directed our music videos that we had and, you know, we had won a lot of awards with those. And I was like, you know, what? I'm first and foremost, I'm a writer. I write mm. all the time. And so I've been doing a lot of uh, screenwriting, a lot of writing really, because coming from, like I told you, I come from the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation and it's the poorest county in America. I grew up with nothing, you know. I grew up in a house with just two bedrooms and I'm the oldest of five brothers and two sisters Mm. and I'm a survivor. Like we, we didn't have running water. We didn't have, you know, all of the amenities, basic necessities. And to come from that as my background and to just really like, no, I want this. I want to be able to just rise above. It doesn't matter, you know, if I don't have the money to go to school, I'm going to find a way. I'm going to make my own way. And so literally, you know, I graduated valedictorian. I made sure I had straight A's in high school and I was just, I'd show up on time and I was like, yeah, you know what? I don't have a computer. I don't have all the things that all these other students have. Maybe, um, and even at the time, my my father, he was in, in prison, you know, I was like, I don't have my father, you know, my mother was struggling with drugs and alcohol at the time. I didn't have my mother. You know, I was like, I can't die like this. I can't be stuck here like this. I need to, you know, I just seen a future, not just for myself, but for my siblings. And I was like, if I don't do this now, and if I don't get out now, who's going to help them? Right. Who's going to be the example for them? 
And so for me, you know, I really use that as my driving force. Love was my driving force to be able to be something for my siblings and my community, my parents, and show them that it's possible. And so then I ended up getting the Bill Gates Scholarship and the Horatio Alger Scholarship, and I got a full ride and I was able to go to college and just focus all of my time on that. And then I took a break from school and then I did music for about nine years and made it pretty big. And then I was like, you know what, you know, I I really need to focus on on myself as a woman, get back to who I am Mm -hmm. because I was really neglecting myself. You know, people always idolize, oh, it's a rock star life. You're living the dream and all that, but it gets really exhausting. And so, and I wasn't creating like how I was used to. I, I, I would create and paint and draw and take photos and I just didn't have time for that. And so the moment I took a step back and, you know, I took some time and I did some post-production work in Brazil and I really just, you know, prayed a lot to, especially to my ancestors, the women that came before me that really paved the the path of a strong indigenous woman, you know, they survived massacres. They survived all of this stuff. And I was like, how am I going to waste that? All the time and blood and all of everything that they put in just so that I could be here today. You know, what, how, what am I going to do to give back right. for that to my ancestors and to my community. So I got to keep going. So now, you know, I've been working really hard. I take 21 credits at the Institute of American Indian Arts. I work 20 hours doing work study and I got all these different projects going on. And then I will be also finishing my documentary this coming summer. So I'm pretty much booked all summer. I'm going to be filming back at home on my reservation, be filming elders and children and just about the importance of water mm-hmm. and how water is really the one connector that connects us all. Yeah. We all need water. And that's all we were trying to say with the Standing Rock movement. But the government, they weren't understanding us on that simple level that you're a human being and you need water. Yeah. This is our water, and we've protected it for thousands, millions of years, and we know how sacred it is. And like, if you think about it, you know, we're born of water. We come from a woman. My grandmother, she delivered me. Like, that's how in tune we are still with our teachings and our ways. My grandmother, she delivered me, and she always talks about being the first to touch my water. Hmm. She said she felt the water that I came from. And that's that water that we carry inside us as women and we're able to bear children and give life. And we're the only human form that is able to navigate spirits from the spiritual realm to here and onto the physical realm. So that's like a big, huge responsibility that we carry as women. And that's why in Lakota culture, we're held as sacred. Women are sacred because we bring life to this earth. We bring spirits from the spirit world to here, to this physical realm. And it all starts with water. Think about it. Water is one of the main conductors of energy. And we each have water. We carry water inside of us. What are we, 75% water? Think about all the negative and positive energy that we carry inside ourselves and we're able to conduct that energy between one another you know, on an everyday basis, like, hello, Amina, how are you doing? Or, you know, if you're pissed off and angry one day, you know, like, 
How do you control that energy that you carry within yourself? You're responsible for it. How are you going to change that into positivity and conduct it to people in the world? And so the documentary is solely based upon water and it's really, it gets really deep. Um, There's a lot of people that won't be able to understand it on that level because most people, they'll tune out to a certain extent when she start talking about spirituality, but it really is, it comes down to that. Whether you believe in a God or an afterlife or the spirit world or anything that comes after this, one thing that we all believe in is that we need to wake up and take a shower and drink water, Mm. right? As living organisms and beings on this earth, we all need water, like otherwise we'll die. So God or whatever, you know, that this being is water and we need to protect it. And we need to continue to teach people in the world that not a lot of us have access to clean drinking water. Mm. It's about equity. We all need that same access to water. Mm -hmm. And so all of my artwork, basically, I try to reflect that Mm. in my spirituality, but get it across in a modern type of setting, like, you know, with Instagram, like, oh, you're scrolling by and you see, oh, look, there's Juliana. She looks, you know, pretty. She's using all these products, but wait, there's a teaching behind it. Like, what is she saying? And it's all based upon, you know, just love, love one another, just continue to help one another. And that's really what I really try to focus a lot of my artwork on. I feel two ways, Juliana. One is just personally having grown up in a family that was full of so many uh, strong and spiritual women. I really identified in a lot of ways with just the way you described that relationship. And I think the power of water and the equity of water. Um, You made so many really important points right there. I wanted to ask you, you know, you, you used a phrase that I really love. You used the phrase ancestral knowledge when you talked about your grandmother and these women who came before you. What about your early life or your experiences or exposure to those women inspired you to become a creative? So I believe that all Indigenous people are artists in whatever capacity, like when they wake up every morning, a lot of Indigenous people, you know, they do things habitually. A lot of Lakota women and men, you know, they would wake up, they would come out of their teepee and they would paint their horse. They would take their horse down to the river. Everything was habitual. And it had this sense of it was an art to the way that they lived. And even everything down to like, so Lakota women, we were in charge of the teepee. We made the teepee. The men hunted the buffalo. They would bring a buffalo home. The women would tan and hide the buffalo. And then we would paint our teepees. We would paint designs and make our homes because teepee means home Mm. in Lakota. We would make our homes beautiful and we would make it a home for our children and for whoever we were taking care of at that time. And so we were just like innately artists in everything that we did. We, We wore beadwork, we wore jewelry, we wore moccasins and everything had to be, there was a particular way that you know, it was made and it was, we had designs and all these things. And I believe that it really was passed down through generations because 
all of those traditional artworks. I know how to do all of them, you know, from porcupine quill work. We made a lot of jewelry out of porcupine hair and quills. We made a lot of beadwork out of glass beads or shells that we traded for over time. And we always made sure that everything was done in like a respectful spiritual manner. And so like my mother, she's an artist. Every day she wake up, like in the springtime, she wakes up, she goes into her garden. She's like the main green thumb in our community. She has this entire huge garden and she allows kids to come in and pick whatever they want from the garden because, you know, she knows that a lot of children don't have their parents at home. You know, she created a community garden on our reservation. And for me, that's art. She wakes up, she takes care of these plants and she you know, harvest them and then she cans them and then she gives them away. It's about that transfer of energy. She put all of that hard work into it. And whether she was, maybe my mother was grieving or she had a hard day that day and she put all of that energy into working that day. But through that, she changed it into a positivity, a positive, and then she gave it away. Mm. She gave away choke cherry jam to a bunch of kids and they were happy. They took it home. They fed their grandmothers and grandpas. And, you know, so it's that transfer of energy, like I said, and it's all through your art. And my mother, you know, she hand makes, she would um, sew clothes all the time and quilts and she didn't know how to use, she still to this day doesn't know how to use a sewing machine, Mm -hmm. even though I was like, I'll buy you a sewing machine, mom. Like it'll speed up the, the work faster. But She prefers to make everything by hand. Mm. And so my mother is an amazing artist. And just growing up, seeing her make something out of nothing, completely nothing. You know, I remember when Harry Potter came out and I was telling her about the world and she she made me a wand. My mom like made me a wand out of like the stick and like just like and it looked awesome. And I just really believed that it was a wand, you know, Mm -hmm. so all of that artwork and all of that that energy work really is passed down through generations and I can't really describe you know like where it comes from or how you know every morning I wake up I'm I want to make something I want to create something just to get it off of me and out of me and pass it along to somebody else one of the things I really love about just everything that you're sharing here is the power for you as a Lakota woman to create from your lens, inspired by your culture, your context. I mean, the power, I'm like hearing you talk about the documentary. I'm like, please take my money now. (laughs) Like I just want, (laughs) please take my money now. I'm ready for this because I think there is so much power in each of us in the cultural context we come from that we tell our story, that our story is not being told through the lens of someone who enters that space as outsider or as observer, but that we get a chance to tell uh, the layers and the richness of that. You know, that's a lot of what I hear in what you're sharing about your experience growing up in your community, that there are so many layers of richness there, Uh, so many layers of these multifaceted experiences that you got to have as a child, that you got to watch the other adults and elders in your community do and participate in, and how that informs the work that we make as creative people. That informs what, you know, we decide to do with what it is that we have. And I think that is so, so powerful. I wanted to ask you also 
I know that part of your work, I'm, I'm in awe of people that can do what you do, Juliana, which is do a lot of visual work, visual arts, photography, filmmaking. Those are all gifts that I do not have. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I, I literally got words and that's what I have. I can talk. I can write. I'm like, I got that. So whenever I get a chance to encounter other artists that have this gift to see things and to say, I can make something that people can see, can watch, can experience in those ways. I want to hear more from you also. What do you think is the power of photography as a medium? And why was that one of the types of medium that you chose for your work? So when I got the Gates scholarship and I got my um, refund check back, the thing that I did was I bought myself a camera. What was that first camera? The camera that I bought was a Canon 60D. Mm-hmm. And in my community, there were no photographers. And the schools, they would hire the people to come and take your photos for school pictures and all these things. And I kept, I just kept seeing all these beautiful, because I, I you know, I'm very ingrained and deep in into who I am is my culture. I powwow dance. I jingle dress dance at our powwows. I partake in all of my ceremonies and we have a lot of dances and songs. And I was just like, this is so beautiful. No one knows about it in the world. No one knows these teachings and no one's recording them. And for a long time, it was actually like a cultural pushback because, you know, our community wanted to and elders wanted to protect them, protect all of our ceremonies that we have. So there was this, let's not take photos, let's not take videos. You know, we, my generation, there has been this like, well, let's preserve them. Mm-hmm. Yes, let's protect them, but let's also preserve them because now we're getting into this era of, of media and all of our indigenous youth, they're all on Facebook, they're all on Instagram, they're all watching YouTube. And imagine if we can record them and almost make like a digital encyclopedia. Mm. A lot of our elders are dying and they're taking all of that knowledge with them. And so I started photographing a lot of our elders. And at that time, you know, I didn't have video capability or anything. And so I was just taking these photos of, say, like a white man who came in and took his photos and told his story he wanted to tell and then left and made like a couple thousands off of my, my tribe. Like, and I seen that done so many times and I was like, no, no, no more. You know, now we have the power. Now we have the lens. Now we have the camera. We have the power to tell our own story. We are in charge of our own narrative. Let's take back the narrative from white America. They've told our story for so many decades. Let's stop that right here and right now. And let's tell our own story. And so that's really why I got into photography. That's why I'm so passionate about it. And now, you know, fast forward to now, I'm now into moving pictures, moving photography. I I was like, what better way to tell a story that encapsulates all of my skills as an artist, you know, from painting to writing to music to all of that is in film. Like I can utilize all of my skills that I've, I've learned and I can now use it to make a documentary or make a feature film, you know? And so that's really the point that I'm at as, as an artist now, it's really trying to hone in on and perfect it. So that way I can do our indigenous communities justice 
Yeah. Oh, I love that. But I want to ask you, which I'm, I'm sure you have this opportunity um, many times, but I just want to ask you because I'm, I'm curious to hear, you know, what are the words you would say to young Indigenous women who may be younger than you, maybe around the age you remember you were when you were a little girl watching uh, your mom and your grandma and the different women in your community, what are the words you would say to the next generation of Indigenous women? I would say continue to pray, continue to learn about your ancestry and your culture. Don't take for granted the language and your ceremonies and the practices that the women who came before us have left for us because that's really what's going to ground us and that's what sets us apart from people who have lost that. There are people who want to fill that that void within themselves, but if you think about it, you were born with it. And see, it took me a long time to realize that I was born with all of these cultural teachings and how rich I was in my culture. And it has never been about money or anything. I was already rich in culture. Mm -hmm. And so for young Indigenous women, you know, just never forget that light and beauty that you carry inside you. Because there have been plenty of times where I thought that, you know, it was over. You know, I thought that I had no purpose here. I was like, you know, and I've been at rock bottom. I've, I've been, you know, in abusive relationships. I've been through sexual abuse and mental abuse. I've been through all of it. And there were times where I literally thought that I didn't want to be here anymore. Mm. And suicide is one of the biggest statistics amongst Indigenous people. And the next statistic is the missing and murdered Indigenous women. There's a lot of women that are missing. And for growing up, you either, you're looking at the statistics. What what do I have to choose from? I either become a statistic and I become involved with drugs and alcohol, or I end up killing myself, or I become missing, you know? I was like, no, that's not what our elders left us with. That's not how we conduct ourselves. This is not what they gave their lives for. We need to remember what they did for us. We need to remember that light that we carry inside of us. And again, back to that ancestral knowledge, any woman armed with her spirituality and her ancestral knowledge is an unstoppable force. Woo, y'all. I hope you are inspired and riveted by what Juliana shared with us today. Since this interview, Juliana has continued to profile Indigenous women and tell Indigenous stories through her initiative, Resonance. You can follow at Resonance Official, and you can get more information about Juliana's work at Resonance.com. And as always, you can check out the show notes for all of the links and things that we talked about in this episode at aminabrown.com slash her with Amina. For this week's Give Her a Crown, I want to celebrate Deb Holland, a Laguna Pueblo from New Mexico, and Sharice Davids, a member of the Ho-Chunk Nation from Kansas. These two women have been the first Native American women to serve in Congress. This month is Native American Heritage Month, but around here, we celebrate Native and Indigenous heritage all year long. We celebrate that Native peoples are not just in history, 
but they are still here and using their voices to continue building the future of their people. I want to give a crown to Congresswoman Deb Holland and Congresswoman Cherise Davids for using their voices and leadership to continue to uplift and celebrate the story and heritage of their people and to serve their communities. To these two Congresswomen, we give them a crown. by Matt Owen for Soul Graffiti Productions as a part of the Seneca Women Podcast Network in partnership with iHeartRadio. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, Shoot that, shoot that! And even... Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. Get in zone, AutoZone. Welcome to AutoZone. What are you working on today? Ah, thinking about gas mileage. You know, changing your oil with a full synthetic oil like Castrol Edge can help your engine get more miles. Right now, you can get five quarts with an STP Extended Life oil filter for only $36.99. Get started on your next job today with the parts you need when you need them at AutoZone or AutoZone.com. Get in zone, AutoZone. Restrictions apply. Career Builder is made for people who have that thing. You know, those superpowers that make you good at your job, the skills you bring to work. And Career Builder knows those skills make you right for other jobs too. Higher paying jobs with benefits, jobs you never thought of trying. Are you a people person? Work from home as a customer service rep. Are you organized and like driving? Become a delivery driver. You have the skills it takes, and CareerBuilder.com has the jobs to get you hired fast. Visit CareerBuilder.com.